one boom there it is ladies and gentlemen have you ever had a dream that you wanted to start a business and kind of saw yourself making millions afterwards and then you woke up and you're like oh maybe it's not for me well this guy actually made it happen so let's talk about it and let's see what he did to make it happen let's get this one on the road here we go shut up and sit down look a business can give you everything you want in life prestige wealth freedom it can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you and welcome to another episode of Business Boss. All right, ladies and gents, on today's episode, we're going to be diving into the world of event furnishings and rentals. Our guest is a former DJ turned entrepreneur who built a successful business from the ground up. He'll be sharing his story and how he turned his vision of purchasing two couches into a blueprint for navigating the dynamic and unpredictable industry of event rentals. From strategies and business models to recurring revenue, you'll gain value and insight from how to succeed in this industry. So let's give a warm welcome to the show, Mr. Neil Micharandi. Neil, welcome to the program, my friend. Thank you for having me. All right, let's dive into this thing, man. Former DJ, I gotta, I gotta know, man. That's already a pretty fun life, if you ask me. You are literally giving the party the fuel it needs to have a good time. You exit that thing and you decide to go somewhere else, one venture to another. Tell me what that transition was like. Well, it's uh, might not be as glorious as it seems. I mean, DJing weddings when I'm a teenager is not like uh, not like a party type scene that that you might think of as a DJ in a club. But, you know, it paid the bills at the time. So that's uh, that's kind of what what I looked at it as at that time. Uh, I enjoyed it. But um, basically how I started it was I, um, you know, I just started DJing weddings. And um, that was a fairly simple business to do as a one man, two man operation. One man and an assistant did that for a few years. And one of my clients asked if they could rent some lighting from me at the same time for their wedding. And I said, sure, bought some lights rented it to him turned you know at the time maybe i was charging 600 or 800 to do that wedding and now it became 800 and that's a that's a big it's a big difference in percentage of how much you're collecting and um as we fast forward i don't know a few years went by and one of my clients asked if they could rent some furniture for their cocktail hour uh, at their wedding and i i didn't know anything about it but i thought you know why not so i bought one or two sofas at that time rented it in the further cocktail hour and i thought this is um i just doubled i just doubled my ticket by doing this and i didn't need to really do anything else um and you know obviously there's there's some more detail to that as we go forward in the business but at the time it was it was a simple concept for me and i was also worried at that time that i was not going to be able to scale beyond myself when i was djing weddings and i was like you know how long can i do this for um, mm. It's not that cool after 30 years old. So, you know, maybe this is something else I could do um, after after that age when it's not cool anymore to be a DJ. Yeah, well, I mean, <clears throat> opening that door is is literally almost what every entrepreneur does, right? There's a problem that a customer has. And as an entrepreneur, you're like, you know what? Yeah, I can solve that problem. So you started yeah. to dabble into like 
it, it, it's, it's still the same market, right? You're still dealing with events. It's just you're kind of shifting what you were offering the clients. How were you able to scale that? Because uh, I, I'd imagine it's still work delivering, picking stuff up, but it's just different kind of work, I imagine. Yeah, it's very different because as you can imagine, it's not me all day at a wedding standing behind the DJ booth anymore. Now it's me arranging delivering furniture to one location, then delivering furniture to another location. And that immediately scales beyond me. So um, that takes a lot of time that uh, to scale. Uh, it takes, it, it just, it's a grind. Um, but once it gets going, it can be rewarding. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a slow growth model. It's not a model that blows up overnight. And um, it's not something I thought would blow up overnight either. So luckily I had the patience and uh and that that patience continues to pay off because i'm still patient today so what were the things that were that, that'll hold somebody back like if somebody wants to get into this industry and they want to start doing some event rentals in my mind it's got to be something like you know to purchase the stuff that you're going to rent out that's a big expense mm -hmm. right i mean i remember uh when my daughter turned one we we're gonna have her her birthday party at the house and i was like we should rent tables and chairs and i and i was like you know what screw that we're going to buy some tables and chairs because we mm, have to put money away yeah. from her. And then we'll just rent it to family and then she'll recoup that money, you know, and it would be a cool little investment. Um, I hated delivering tables and chairs, to be honest. It sucked <laughs> after a while. Uh, I didn't yeah. scale it at all. But I imagine that's where the hiccup comes in, right? Where you start to, you, you can only grow as fast as you can build out your inventory. Yeah, that is a huge part. Inventory, you, if you don't have it, you're not going to be able to rent it. I mean, if you have two chairs sitting in your warehouse, in your case, you had, I don't know, four or five tables, you know, that's the most you can rent out at one time. Somebody takes your four mm -hmm. tables, you're done. You're done for that period of time. So yes, number one, obviously you need the inventory to do it, but you also need, um, you need a customer base. You need to have a customer base to, to actually market to. You need to have clients who will come to you. And that takes, uh, just like in any other business, that takes a certain amount of time to be able to gather um, you know, to be able to gather a decent client list to actually rent from you and actually make your business work. Uh, so it does take time. But if you're asking for, you know, what would stop somebody from getting in, you know, you could do this on a small scale and you're basically buying a job. Uh, you could do it on a large scale and then you have to deal with the, the aspects of employees. You have to deal with the aspects of logistics. That's the business we're in. I always say we're in the logistics business. We're not in the rental business. Um, and then there's other issues with that as well, such as insurances, uh, warehousing, uh, product maintenance, uh, what to buy, um, you know, for your market. So there's, there's a lot of different challenges, just like any other business when you do that. I remember uh, one of the businesses that I got into a while back was a game truck. So we would do kid birthday parties. We show up mm. 32 foot trailer TVs and video games inside. It was really cool. Um, and once I stopped playing video games myself, uh, you know, in that thing, hiring the employees and getting them squared away. That was, that was a tough aspect of growing mm -hmm. that. But yeah. the cool thing about it was if I ever shifted into another event industry, I had a list of clients that I had already done business with that I could utilize to continue to sell them ongoing event services. Cause sure. everybody has a birthday every single year. Anniversaries already pop up. So I'd imagine accumulating that email database, was is probably one of the more difficult things. How did you grow your database in order to continue to expand that customer base? Yeah, it's a great question. You have, I mean, in our case, I had to do a lot for nothing. I mean, um, 
I took on, I, I did a lot before I knew how to price products, before I knew what returns were going to be. And I just did what I could. I took any client that I possibly could until I realized who my ultimate customer was. Um, and it takes time to realize who your, who your ideal customer is and who you're actually going after. Uh, in my case, it took some, you know, it took years to figure that out before I, I started marketing to that clientele. So I would take anybody who would call, um, whether they wanted one chair, one small dance floor, whether they wanted one piece of furniture, I would take it, take every dollar and reinvest it back into the business until finally that just financially didn't make any more sense uh, to take that one chair or to take that one sofa. And, um, and then I would finally find my customer base to market to. And once we found that customer base, we were able to chase that customer base with what we had inventory wise and expertise, and we could scale from there. So who is that customer base? Like, who is this ideal client that you're looking for? If we could just shout out, hey, are you going through this particular issue or you're looking for this particular event? Who did that customer avatar finally pan out for you? Who, who's, who is that? Yeah, so in, in a general answer for that is wholesale versus retail. Um, there's more specifics in that. So in the wedding industry, that would be planners. That would be other event producers. In the film industry, um, it is... Um, you know, directors, it is people actually producing the films um, for celebrities and things like that. It would be agencies. So it would be tackling all of those special events, even ones like your um, like your family event that you mentioned. But it wouldn't be through you, the end customer. It would be through a planner who you might hire to do that. And the reason that we found it easier to do that for us is because our model, um, it appeals to that clientele where maybe that planner is advertising that the product is their own and mm. that's okay with us. I mean, once we push, once I was able to go through years of pushing my ego aside and saying, wait, 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 I need the credit for this. I need the credit for this. I realized maybe that's not the best way to do it. Um, it, it let us propel because when an agency calls us to do a huge event for a celebrity, they might want all the credit for all the furniture that came in and so be it. That might've come from us, but that's okay. As long as, um, you know, we're getting the business from it, we might not get any accolades from it, but that's, that's, it's totally fine. And that's who we realize is ultimately our client. I like that. I like that. Cause we do the same thing over here with, with digital agency stuff. I don't do every single edit that comes in our way anymore. Used to at the beginning, but then mm -hmm. time just didn't work out that way. Now I, I have teams of people who are actually really good at that aspect of the business doing that yeah. aspect of the business. Right. And it totally makes yeah. sense. Um, we call it white labeling in our, in our industry. And that's assuming yeah. you're, you're doing the same thing. We do the same thing on the podcast. Everybody who comes on the show comes on the show for one reason. It's because they want to grow their database. They want to get more reach. So we design a show to make it all about the guest so that the guest gets as much credit as possible, like, like yourself, for example. So that's a very good business model. And it uh, to me, it also establishes and builds a great relationship with that client for continuous repeat business. And I'm assuming that's the, one of the huge yeah. benefits, right? Huge benefit, huge benefit. You deal, you know, an end customer or an end client in our business um, is a client one time or once every four or five years. I mean, if you go down to the most basic, such as a, if it's a wedding, that bride's going to get married one time. But the planner mm -hmm. who's planning that wedding for that bride has probably 20 of those brides or 30 of those brides in a year. 
And that is who we want to impress. That is who we want to be our, our client. And uh, because, you know, as you mentioned, they're recurring. And if it's a celebrity, if it's a celebrity music video, if it's a TV show production, um, you know, uh, the production people will move from movie to movie to set to set. And they will remember who they used uh, vendor wise. Same thing with anybody shooting a mu music video or anything like that. They, you know, that end celebrity. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool to work with them. It's cool to say you got to work with them. But in the end, they're one person. But the agency who's working with them works with 10 of them, works with 12 of them and does it all year. And that's their job. So you're almost hiring a free salesperson uh, for your company whenever you work with uh, people like that. Yeah, it's a salesperson that pays you, which is super absolutely. awesome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Best absolutely. kind of people yeah. to have on your staff, right? 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let me, let me ask you, um, you said that you kind of had to work for a while and put your ego aside a little bit for you to get into this space. Um, walk me through that little transition because I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that have their name on the sign and they have a hard time letting go of yeah. some of the control in their business because they, maybe it's perfectionism, it's too much pride, whatever it is, and they get stuck owning a job versus being able to scale. So walk me through that mentality and what got you to that point where you were like, nope, that's it. I want this level of success, not this kind of job. Yeah, um, I would agree with you 100%. Ego, I think it comes in every entrepreneur's way. It's probably the number one thing. I would probably rate that higher than like money issues or anything like that. And the reason is because everybody wants to, you know, first of all, that ego didn't only come in the way with, uh, with scaling and maybe thinking it's beyond me, but it even got in the way with asking for help. You know, hmm. I could pick up the phone. I knew I could pick up the phone in the beginning of my business and ask advice from probably two or three people who I knew but I didn't do it because I didn't want them to know I didn't know. And so I didn't pick up the phone and make that call for way too long. And once I finally did, the answer came to me overnight and I was able to solve a huge problem that prob I can't even count how many dollars it cost me to get to that point. But ultimately when I pushed my ego aside, I was able to actually get through and do that. That ego comes in the way when you're getting an Instagram comment, when you're getting uh, an email that maybe you might think is beneath you and you don't respond to that email. You don't take that phone call. You don't reply back to that Instagram comment because it's not quote unquote cool to do that. You know, if you push that stuff aside, you can propel. It took me a while to realize it. I didn't realize it too late, but probably later than I wanted to. Um, and then also when it comes to, to scaling beyond just a one man show, you know, I can only do so much. You can only do so much. Everybody can only do so much. No great company was built and, and only has one employee. They have multiple, multiple, multiple hundred. I mean, they have tons of employees that create something for the vision maybe of that founder, but you know, it's not just that founder running around everything. Otherwise nothing would scale. So it did take me a while to realize it, but ultimately when I did, it was like a light bulb that went off that said, you know what, this is the only way this is going to work. Um, and, and it needs to go beyond me and I need to depend on other people, whether that be for help whether that be for um, you know uh, advice, money, whatever it might be, I got to pick up the phone and ask whenever I need it. Um, and, and the worst I can get is a no, but the reality is that that's the only way I'm going to learn. I like that. Um, and then when you, when you ask for help, something mm -hmm. unique also happens that you realize there are other people in the space that are maybe competitors, maybe they're parallel with your business. When you reach out and ask them for help, 
you think they're not going to help you, but they actually are way more willing to help you than you kind of realize. And in my experience, some of the best relationships you ever build, business relationships or networks or, you know, those types of things happen because you ask for help. Did you kind of experience the same type of scenario? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. You know, the, the people who I really thought would not uh, take my call, they took my call. And they answered like gracefully, you know, very, very gracefully. And most of the time, even today, uh, because I don't have all the answers. If I pick up the phone and ask somebody something today, I will, um, I'll typically get an answer and I will typically, you know, get the help that I need and vice versa. Somebody were to call me today. I give them the answer as well. Now, I don't know how long it took somebody to make that call to me, but once they do, they realize I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm an open book. I'm not, you know, somebody who's going to try to hide something for the better of my business because I'm pretty secure in what I'm doing. And I know that helping somebody else doesn't mean that it's going to, you know, jab a fork in what I'm doing. When you were first started uh, expanding and you were bringing on employees, uh, one of the hiccups that a lot of uh, entrepreneurs fall prey to is no employee is going to work as hard as you, the business mm -hmm. owner. And they're going to make mistakes, right? And and it's kind of hard to not go in and be like, get out of the way. Let me show you how to do it versus kind of accepting that mistake and, and having it be a learning experience to make that person better, to build upon their knowledge, their capability, and then hopefully expand their responsibility level. What was it like for you watching somebody else make a mistake in your business? Uh, and, and how did you react to a situation like that? Yeah, that's that's tough. That's probably tough for anybody. It's very tough for me. Um, I want it to be a certain way. And I, I think there's a balance between having it 100% your way and letting somebody else and relinquishing that control to somebody else and realizing it's not going to go 100% your way. But if you can set enough rules and procedures and processes in place, maybe you can set that person up for success to actually execute upon your vision. But that also takes time because as you have one employee, you're not going to have those rules in place. When you have two employees, you're probably not going to have those rules in place, but you grow and learn those rules. And the biggest challenge beyond that is when you grow to, you know, maybe 10, 15 employees. And then now those first ones that came in, they don't want to adapt to these new rules and they might have to flush out. And that's the unfortunate reality that I faced, which is that some of the first people who start it's difficult to actually make them adapt to procedures and processes that are needed to grow beyond that small vision. And, um, you know, because it's easy to just, it, let's just say in our business, pick up this piece of furniture, go drop it off at this place with that one person. But what happens when it's 15 people? If there's no rules, there becomes chaos. And mm -hmm. that chaos, it, it creates some other major issues. So those first employees sometimes do not want to adapt to those rules because, you know, you can't teach an old drug, an old dog new tricks, and that's exactly what it is sometimes. And sometimes those people just need to leave for the better of the business. And that is a challenge that I faced, but you live and learn. Yeah, the the firing, the letting go of employees, it sucks, but sometimes it's just a must. You can't keep the cancerous people in your business because it, it, it'll cascade problems. What about the other side, firing clients? Uh, you said there was a point in your career where – like, I'm not taking that kind of job anymore. And it might have been somebody who you've been working with for an, a, a quite some time. It just doesn't make sense anymore. How did how did you deal with that situation? Yeah, that's uh, that's always, you know, that's always going to be challenging, especially if you have a relationship with that client. So the, uh, you know, the 
the slow process, it's almost, it's almost just as slow as growing the business for, for us, what we had to do over time was we just had to, you know, let that client realize over time that this particular phone call for us is just not going to work financially because of the way we're structured today. We will do it until the point where it just doesn't make sense anymore. And ultimately when it doesn't make sense anymore, and that can be explained to a client in a very uh, empathetic and very nice way, that client most of the time understands. You're always going to have a few who don't, but most of them will understand. And we do understand. And I, I, I will never forget, you know, some of the great clients who helped us build to where we are, but that doesn't mean that today we can go and take a, a job that just doesn't even pay for something to leave our warehouse. It just doesn't make any financial sense. And over time, once that's explained to a client, most of them understand. Most of them understand. Plus you get, you, you have somewhere where you can refer them to, right? Like there's, there's always places where you can help solve their problem, even though it's not your particular service, there's places where you can kind of direct them now that you've been in the industry for a while, you've made some nice connections, you know, kind of where I'm sure to this day, you're like, Hey, do you know where I can get a DJ for the wedding? And you're not going to do the job anymore, but you, there's a place where you can refer them. So you kind oh, yeah. of become that, that, uh, I don't know the the you're you're shifting business no matter where it goes. It's coming your way, and you're taking on what you want to take on. But everything else, you're becoming a resource for other people. You're that referral base, almost like the vendors for you, where you white label for them. You're kind of directing traffic in that sense, right? Oh yeah, yep, you got it. That's exactly what we do right now. So let me ask you: uh, two couches to ten million is what we call this particular episode. Um, where's your business at today? Where do you see it going here in the near future? Yeah, you know, we had a challenging 2020, like many other companies had. So we're still catching up from understanding what even took place during that time. As you can imagine, in the event industry, we were shut down um, pretty hardcore during that time. Now, we all came back with a pretty hardcore vengeance in 2021 and 22. So my goal for this year, this upcoming this 2023, is to get a handle on exactly what's coming through our door and make sure we can execute it to the, you know, to almost perfection, to as great as we can get it, uh, because we have scaled pretty, uh, pretty rapidly over the past couple of years. And then we're going to move on to try to do, um, try to open a couple other locations. Uh, but I'm a big believer in trying to get home base in great shape before we actually move on to other locations. Ooh, other locations. So right now, where are you based out of? Where's your, your service area that you focus on? Uh, and where are these uh, future locations you're thinking about opening up soon? Yeah, so we're right now based in Atlanta. And Atlanta, we are lucky. We are blessed, lucky, whatever you want to call it. Um, we are lucky with where we where we are um, location-wise because Atlanta is the Hollywood of the South. It is, um, you know, it's a business mecca for, for many, you know, huge companies. A lot of special events, a lot of conferences that take place in, in Atlanta. So we do a lot of business in Atlanta, a lot of business in the Southeast. Um, but my ultimate goal to expand the first two cities to expand to would be Vegas and Miami. Vegas and Miami. So, mm -hmm. uh, and, and here's one thing that I always find is, is, you know, events are happening in Vegas, you know, events are happening in Miami. So, you yeah. know, there's a client base in there. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are scared to go into something because they feel it's saturated. How come you chose those versus something that maybe doesn't have a space uh, a rental space, a rental market already existing? Well, uh, you know, market, having having competitors, there's a balance, there's a fine line between saturation and competitors. Uh, competitors are great because it, it, it's kind of a proven model at that point. 
Um, and, you know, I wouldn't say those two markets for us are saturated from what the research that I've done. Those markets are huge um, and they are they're they're very complementary to what we do right now. So it is it, it looks like it's a model that's going to work from a business standpoint. Um, there's, a, you know, Vegas and Miami huge with events. Vegas particularly is huge for conferences. Um, there's some tax benefits to being in, in uh, Nevada as well. And Miami, it's a it's a neighboring state to us right now. Florida is a neighboring state to Georgia. And we have traveled to Miami a couple of times already to handle um, some events that, that take place down there. So we've gotten to see what's going on over there. And competitors that are there, hey, they do great work. But you know, I'm pretty confident in our ability to do great work as well. And I think we can win over quite a bit of clientele when we go down to those places. Florida has nice tax benefits too. No state tax in Florida as well as as uh, as Nevada. So yeah, I'd yeah. imagine those are great places to become tax wise. All right, yeah. Um, yeah. let's make sure people are aware. If if people do want to reach out, they want to work with you. There there may be event coordinators doing things like that. What's the process like in working with you, and how can they get a hold of you? They can get a hold of us on any of our social media. Uh, we're very active on Instagrams at uh, Luxury Lounge ATL. You can also visit our website, which is updated constantly, luxuryloungeatl.com. Our phone number is through there. Um, we are very quick. Our salespeople are very quick with, uh, with email responses. Um, so you can contact us through any of those formats. Perfect. And what's the process like? So when people reach out to you, they work with you, what can they expect? Time frame, uh, like, you know, customer service, what's what can they expect when they reach out to you? Well, I'm hoping they're going to have the best customer service experience. Obviously, when they reach out to us, somebody is going to respond to them extremely quickly, not within 24 hours, within hours, if they don't get somebody on the phone right away. Um, we are very quick. I mean, our business is extremely last minute. So production companies will call us. They want something today for tomorrow morning, whether it be, you know, small, huge, medium, whatever it is, we take care of it typically. So, you know, we will be quick in response and we will be quick in actually servicing whatever client comes to our door. And uh, I'd imagine when it comes to the event industry, uh, you get bombarded with a bunch of stuff like, hey, I need tables, chairs, uh, I need catering tacos, and uh, I need staffing to do this sort of stuff. Do you guys kind of take it all and say, okay, this is what we do X, Y, and Z, or do you just kind of take on the whole load and say, all right, I'll sub it out for you? Yeah, a good question. We do, we stay in our lane. So we, um, you know, with the timeframes that we are, allocated at the moment with uh, with the Amazon effect that's going on in the world and everything's last minute. We don't really have the time luxury to be taking on something that we don't know and start sourcing it out to other people. Uh, what we rather do is we take on what we know we can handle in-house. Most of the time when people call us, they're going to call us for event furnishings. They're going to call us for, you know, for, for things that they see that we offer. And we will handle those things and those things only. No, that's good. Then that's good. Staying in your lane is one of those tough things to do because you want to take oh, yeah. on and help as many clients as you possibly can. It's just not always yeah. uh, feasible, I guess. Especially like you said yeah. in the time crunch, dude. So far, you've 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 built something that's to me super amazing and yet super simple. If if you were gonna talk to entrepreneurs who are, are getting started, they have an idea in mind. Maybe they are solving a small problem. They're they're at the DJ phase in their life. Uh, what yeah. advice would you give them so that they can kind of walk the path of scaling a business versus walking the path of just owning their job? Yeah, I would say three things. Be patient, be resilient. And the last thing is do what you can while you can. And I live by that, which is, I mean, if 
do whatever you possibly can, whether it be in our industry, going out, I'm going to learn every aspect of the business. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to deliver that first sofa. I will drive that first truck. I will respond to every social media comment. I will do everything I possibly can because I can right now. And I'll do that until I cannot possibly do it anymore. Now, if we're doing 10 or 12 events at a time, obviously I can't do that, but you can do it while you can. And that is a huge thing that I learned, you know, many, many years ago. And I'm so glad I did it then. And uh, it's carried me forward now. It plants a foundation um, to do some bigger things later. Yeah, man. It, it, the patience is one of those key things. Uh, we've been doing this podcast now. It's almost going on five years. You're episode wow. 1094. And I think it, it wow. shows, um, especially where we're at business-wise, uh, I spent three years doing it essentially for free. Just kind of, like you said, nose to the grindstone, just learning the process, trying to make it better. The patience is a virtue. It's something that yeah. you're going to learn going forward. Now, you're about to be going on a bunch of podcast tours. You're trying to grow your your market base, trying to get more exposure as you're going out there. What was your experience like? Uh, I don't know if you've been on other podcasts yet. Yeah. But what was your experience like on, on our show? Uh, it's awesome. I mean, you've got some serious energy, man. So I got I to gotta hand it to you. I think you've got the most energy out of anybody that I've done a podcast with so far. So, so far, um, great A. I think, I think you're doing a phenomenal job and I've had a great experience with you. And, um, and I hope to be back on the show. Dude, you, you definitely will. I I want to, I want to you know, go from 10, two couches, 10 million to a hundred million. Look where he no, was. Awesome. Dude, we were a thousand ninety four. <laughs> now you're in episode 2000 and something and check out where Neil's at today. Holy moly. If it only takes a thousand more episodes to get 90 more million dollars. I think we're both, we're both <laughs> in great shape. I mean, you know, why not? Why not? Why not, brother? Yeah. All right, one more time uh, before we head out, I want to give you the floor. Final thoughts uh, before we head out, and and of course, tell people how to get a hold of you one more time. Final thoughts are, um, you know, it, whoever's starting a business, if you're going to get into the rental business, you're going to get into you said podcasting, any other business that you're going to get into, just understand failure is going to come about, but you have to learn to get up in the morning, grind it out, understand that failure is going to come, but don't let it paralyze you. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Something good's around the corner. You just have to keep consistent and stay persistent at the same time. You can get a hold of our company at luxuryloungeatl.com and uh, on social media at luxuryloungeatl. Boom, there it is. All right, ladies and gents, that's the story. He started off DJing weddings, two couches, and all of a sudden, and I can't say it was overnight, but it was definitely work in progress, over $10 million in revenue. That's what I'm talking about. That is the dream right there, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know how else to tell you. It doesn't happen overnight for most people. It is a grind. It is work. It is a hustle, but the reward at the end can be astronomically great. Follow Neil at um, at Luxury Lounge ATL on social media or go to the website, uh, LuxuryLoungeATL.com. If you guys have any of those needs, especially if you're in the area, and if you're looking forward to them coming to Vegas or Miami, be on the lookout for those too because it's, it's coming right around the corner. Neil, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace, and we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast, podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today.